book report. It's a book report. It's a book report about a movie. Cause that makes sense. Welcome back, ladies and gents, to The Real Weirdos. Today, it's just me and Alex here to give you a book report about a movie. Because that makes sense. Um, today, we are talking about a film by Wesley Anderson. A filmmaker that Alex and I are both big fans of. I think, have you seen all his movies? I think I've seen almost all his movies. And I like all of them. I have seen all of them, yeah. I've seen all of them more than twice. Wow. Yeah. Especially Royal Tenenbaums, right? You've seen that movie like legitimately like 30 times or something like legitimately, that? Legitimately, yes. Like yeah, that's what you were talking about when we did our episode on that. Yeah. Um, so this was a perfect way for us to do this, uh, to do the French Connection. Um, yeah, I've seen almost all of them. I think I haven't seen one of the early ones. I don't think I've seen Rushmore. Uh, but I've seen everything else. And they, they exist on a sliding scale from really good to fantastic. And I know that, like, he's a, a bit of a divisive director. People don't like his style. But we can get into that or not. We'll see how it goes. But, Alex, we finally saw The French Dispatch. Mm-hmm. We've been looking forward to this. How did you like it? I thought it was interesting. I'll say that for now. Mm. It, It's taken a while for me. And I don't know whether or not it's because my mind is still working to unlock the film. Or if I just have to admit that I like it less than most of his other films. Mmm, hot takes. Hot takes. Because this is critically uh, very, very well received. They got a 10 minute or so standing ovation at uh, Insert Film Festival. I can't remember the name. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's kind of expected for Anderson, though. I think, um, okay, let me lay out what I thought of this film. Um, and it's, I like that you use the word interesting and I, I'm actually somewhat surprised that we are on the same wavelength here. Okay. Not that we're not in general, but I figured that you would love this movie because it seems like people who like Wes Anderson and, you know, appreciate what he brings to the table in terms of being a cinematic voice, love this film. And so when I got done watching it, I thought to myself, this is probably his most adept film. It's it's a tech like technically, it's probably a masterpiece. If you're gonna go into like the rhythm of filmmaking and the utilization of of all these different techniques, from framing to blocking to editing, I bet that there's a there's a lot of cases to be made that this is masterful. Absolutely. And I could see that immediately, maybe even better than anything he's done. Mm-hmm. It's also my least favorite film from him. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because, okay, this, this is a reference for people who've seen the Royal Tenenbaums. That movie starts out with this solid block of exposition explaining to you in this whimsical really fast manner, very Wes Anderson-y type of way, mm-hmm. like the logic of the universe and these characters. And it like barrages you with this information. But then it, it zooms back and becomes like a character movie. Mm-hmm. This movie is like, if you took that introduction and s- spread it out across an entire film and had no plot. And by the end of it, uh, I think by the by about two thirds 
I didn't care what was happening and my brain was overloaded with just the endless like bam, 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 bam of, of a new character and a new plot and a new background. It is constantly like vomiting exposition at you in a way. Mm-hmm. And, and while I could recognize that the techniques of everything that he was doing were masterful, it never like put on the brakes enough for me to like chill out and luxuriate in it. So around the halfway mark, my brain started to tune out and I, yeah, it's, it was weird. It was weird. Yeah. I'm with you all the way. I mean, like technically, mechanically, visually, all of that. It's beautiful. God, those still shots look rotating still shots with people that were moving. You know, they're live action and, and you can see them. Someone blinks in the corner Someone's maybe smoking a cigarette where like Mm -hmm. the smoke rising is the only thing that you can notice that's moving at first. All of that was beautiful. Slight tremor. Yeah. Like all of that was amazing. But I agree with you and I'm with you. And it's like, it's the first Wes Anderson movie I've experienced that I was, I told myself at one point in the film, okay, I'm ready for this to end. He's obviously attempting to do something, right? He's not... We're not stupid. He's not stupid. He's obviously trying to subvert some narrative presentation or structure when it comes to film. But Mm. I feel like the thing that drew me to his films before was that while his narratives have always been more implied than explicit, they still were so beautifully woven and crafted carefully crafted as well that I could how do I say this I could like there was a story there there was meat to the narrative there the Royal Tenenbaums is about a dude who's been a shitty father and person his entire life and decides that in some weird manic late stage crisis decides to reach out to his family again that leaves the potential for so many narratives that like make logical sense and would make a movie like the Royal Tenenbaums compelling to see and to watch. The Life Aquatic is the same way. You know, it has that hilarious little revenge twist to it where they're gallivanting around the world. Um, There are so many of his films that have great little storylines. This film though is, uh, this one's hard because it's about the memorial of Bill Murray's character, right? If we start in on the plot. So from a from a meta element, I understand this is what I understand. Wes Anderson has been obsessed with the New Yorker since he was a small boy. And this film is essentially his I'm going to say it because there's no other way to say it. His love letter to the New Yorker and the writers and Bill Murray's character are all thinly veiled um, like surrogates for people who wrote for the New Yorker Uh and had these distinct voices and like a ideas and I don't know lives I guess okay so it's it is it is like I don't know I see what he's doing I see what he's trying to do is create this interesting interconnected tableau of stories that that feed into this thing but to your point about his other movies there was something about this one where it just lacked something at the heart of it or or something just didn't translate to me Mm -hmm. and I wasn't I wasn't smiling yeah there was nothing tender 
big problem in a Wes Anderson movie. There's nothing tender. And to your point about, he talked about the Royal Tenenbaums or um, uh, Steve Zissou, Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, or like Darjeeling Limited. There's a, there's a real genuine core of humanity that's that lurks underneath all of the artifice that is his style right his like dollhouse carefully constructed style yeah there's like a really deep like i don't know somewhat cynical but but very very human element that always is that carried me through Mm -hmm. you know and I, i think that what the french dispatch has done is illuminate that element of of why i love wes anderson movies and why i didn't love this one that's cool it like illuminated the spot where it would usually be and you're like hey it's not there i this this rubs me the wrong way but going to your point at least about some of these films like containing that endearing tenderness i think that's spot on because this film reminds me of another film that we reviewed and the same thing happened with a director that we love and I'm talking mm. about Tenet. Tenet okay. was Christopher Nolan becoming self-aware. <laughs> going full Nolan. Exactly. As I believe we said. Yeah. I, I see where you're going with this. Exactly. Keep going. To the detriment <laughs> of the narrative, right? To the to the detriment of, to the point where it was like, uh, this whole like company, you hiring yourself from the future, blah, 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 blah. Doesn't, it just, it, it falls flat and flaccid. This is the exact same thing that happened with this film. It is. I had the same thought as well, where it's like it's Anderson going 150% into Anderson mode. Yeah. And I thought to myself, like, is this what people who don't like his other movies feel like? Where it's just like, it's just a barrage of, of whimsy and you're like, what's the point? Um, I, I don't know. I can't speak to that because I love his other films. I think like Life Aquatic, Darjeeling, Steve Zissou, oh, that that is Life Aquatic. Um, mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, Grand Budapest Hotel, Moonrise Kingdom. I, I, these movies are all like a ten out of ten to me, seriously. And so it was, it was strange watching this one because I was like ready, I was so hyped, I was so excited to watch this. Um, and I wonder if that, I wonder if that's like, I wonder if there's an element of expectation, like how much of this is kind of our fault for wanting him to, to do the same type of movie. Um, and, and I don't know the answer to that. There are moments in this that I, I really liked. Oh, absolutely. It's so beautifully literary and it contains that element of, of an Anderson that I think is great which i've always loved about his films um we do have english degrees so yeah, <laughs> it <know>? is it <laughs> is it is like this should be tailor-made for us right it's about a bunch of writers I like know. this tableau of writers creating this epitaph yeah and it's yeah no uh, there there are parts of it that are beautiful and there are parts of it that are attempting to be tender but it comes to a point where it all feels a little manufactured, right? Like, Mm. it's like the point when you start seeing, I mean, we're well past this point, I will admit, but it's the point when you start seeing Wes Anderson French dispatch-like posters in Urban Outfitters. 
like all rolled up in plastic with price tags on them and things like that. And I'm not saying mm. like, oh, he's a sellout, it's corporate greed, because that is absolutely no. not what he's doing here. It's not at all. This is this is an incredibly well-made vision that he's constructed. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's not a vision I'm very interested in. Yeah, exactly. Is the problem. Because it doesn't tell a story the way that I think he's adept at telling a story. Or... I think it just needed more of a through line. It did. Right? Some characters that I cared about. Okay, I have uh, a question. Yeah. Okay. Did you at one point think that it was going to wrap up the narratives in a sense that they like knew each other or were going to intersect in some way? I 100% expected that. Okay. I kept waiting. I kept waiting for it to come together somehow. Yeah, me too. Um, I kept waiting for it to start, if we can use some <laughs> parlance that we've used yeah. in Real Weirdos before. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, when is the movie going to start? Yeah. You know? Um, so it, it's strange because I was I was so enamored with some of the filmmaking. The way that he would have those meticulous dollhouse constructions where he uses like the flat planes uh, that he yeah. uses. We've talked about that before. Yeah. Thomas Flight has some amazing videos about Wes Anderson. I'll link one in the comments, actually. He has one about this video that I highly recommend. That's cool. Um, or in this movie, sorry. Um, but And then there were moments where it would just go full on into, like, realism. And you're like, whoa. And it's all, it's all like, masterly. It's, it's masterful crafting. It is absolutely masterful. The black and white to the color, the, the little flitting in between was fucking amazing and that was beautiful because it wasn't shocking and it wasn't jarring you know like it was a subtle like they're sitting down to have tea or dinner and the camera is moving around the table and when it moves past someone's back all of a sudden it's in color but it's not vibrant color the saturation isn't turned up it's like real life normal color that you would normally see so it takes your mind and your eyes like a second to see like a teacup that's an olive gray or an olive green, excuse me, change from like a grayish hue to green. And then you're like, hold on, everything's in color again. And Mm. it doesn't even necessarily serve like a huge narrative purpose. It serves a little narrative, like if I want to use the word like umph, there are moments when like it'll change color along with what the character is saying. But other than that, it, it's just a beautiful little technique that he does. So yeah, I was I was curious about that while I was watching. I was like, why is he changing the color? Why is he going from black and white to color? And I couldn't come up with an answer. Did you did you come up with an answer? Did you feel like an internal logic there, or was it just like Wes Anderson? It's just the moments he feels like, uh, like putting a putting a spotlight on. I think it was. I mean, it's hard because when you say it like that, when you say moments that Wes Anderson was putting a spotlight on, it almost comes with the caveat that includes your first point, right? That he did it for some reason, like something logical. Um, but for me, they were just flourishes. They were like little, yeah. like, I don't know. And it wasn't like he was showing off or anything like that. They were subtle enough to, to be classy. So this film is... I like using that term. It's classy. It's dressed up. Wes Anderson. It's funny. Definitely. But. But it's too much. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like this, there was too much cake here. 
There's like way too much cake. Uh, it's mm-hmm. my brain. Okay, this is maybe like a really fucked up comparison that people might not like, but the way that this movie like assaulted me is was similar to like a Michael Bay film in a sense. Mm-hmm. Whereas Michael Bay, it's like it's like assaulting you. It's like okay, you can just boil it down to too much of a good thing. Whether or not you think Michael Bay is a good thing is totally inconsequential. What I mean is. Okay, too much of a good thing. Let's call it explosions and dehumanizing shots of women's butts. People love that shit. Yeah. Um, but Michael Bay takes it to the extreme where it's just endless and you're like, oh God, it's pummeling you in the fucking face. Mm-hmm. And Wes Anderson did that to me with like a classy, with class, where it was like, it was just this assault of of cinematic delectability. Yeah. Where you're like, mmm, this little cake, mmm, this little cake. Everything, everything in this movie is this series of like exquisite little cakes, but they're thrown into my mouth so quickly that I don't have time to taste them or like savor them. Yeah. And by the by the by the like the two thirds mark, I'm like, I'm full. I can't eat any more of these little fucking cakes. Yeah. So I have a feeling that it's a movie that will like reveal its treasures on subsequent watches. Yeah, that's where I'm at right when now. When you know what to expect and you know like you you just know what to expect. But but I don't know why I would watch it again except for the formal reasons. Because like to 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 marvel at his command of the language of cinema in his very Wes Anderson way. Mm-hmm. Cuz I don't care about the story. Yeah. I just don't. Which this brings me to an argument that I wanted to bring up. I can't knock a director for, or any artist, excuse me, let me retract that. I can't knock any artist for an attempt at, like, doing something visionary, doing something different, and from doing something very personal, you know? I can imagine little Wes Anderson legs dangling above the bathroom floor as he was sitting on the toilet, you know, just flipping through the New Yorker. That's a cool memory yeah. to me, and that's a cool. Apparently, he collects them and stuff. Ah, uh, that's fucking. I mean, that'll be worth something someday, but that's that's a cool source and spirit to want to make a film, and I can appreciate and respect that. But narrative is such an integral part of filmmaking, like if not the most fundamental part. There's no point of having a camera or a crew. Or a director's chair if there's no story and there's nothing compelling in this film that makes me care enough to like want to watch it over any of his other films regardless of how beautiful it is regardless of how visionary it is and how different it is it's probably his most literary film and and I like that I connect to that but Hmm. There's just something about it that was just the ensemble cast might be what's getting too stale for me. Oh, everybody's in this movie. Maybe we should say that as well. And I mean, everybody. For no right? point. You're in it. I'm in it. Yeah, Jeff's in I'm, it. He doesn't even know it. what this movie is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was Timothy you know, Chalamet's cigarette. That's yeah. that's what I played. He's he smoked you. Yes, many times in many scenes. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> um, what what were we saying? No, okay. So I agree with you, and that's why I want to give the caveat. Well, like I framed it the way that I did, which is that 
I think this movie is, might be a masterpiece. Yeah. I just didn't like it. Like, there's no, I'm never going to say this is a bad movie. I think that like, and, and I think that there's also a lot of subtle connections that I wasn't able to make, like maybe between the, the scenes, between the, the time periods. I don't, I don't know. Between all the different like things that were, that were happening. I don't know. There's so much visual and auditory information in this film that it was hard for me to keep track of it. You ever, you ever are in a discussion about films or movies with someone and you want to give like a dismissive answer to no longer speak about the movie? Oh my God, all the time. If I'm not talking to you or Jeff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this film is one of the ones where usually when someone asks me about a book, short story, movie tv show that they like i go right into it i'm like oh yeah i like it i like this character i like these themes you know i, I ask probing questions to the person to see what they like it gives me a good read on their personality but this film is one of the ones that if someone asked me today did you like the new wes anderson movie the french dispatch i would say uh yeah it was it was interesting i liked it and that <laughs> is where the discussion would end like i could yeah there's like I don't know. I mean, this is different, obviously, right? But I think you might be the only person I'm aware of on Earth that I would like to have this conversation with. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, nobody else. Yeah, not, not Jeff. Jeff would have not liked this movie at all, for sure. Yeah, it's... Um, I don't know. And I felt... It was it was weird. I definitely had a Jeff moment where I was like, I felt like him where he's like, where's the narrative? Like, what's the story here? Like, wh what is the point? Why am I watching yeah. this? Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously, I mean, we can keep harping on about it, but it is, it is worth reiterating that it is just amazing to look at, but, but it, it did get so visually and auditorily busy with the narrative, the narratives that by the end, like by, by the time they got to that kidnapping sequence when, which was apparently all about food, mm -hmm. I had no idea what was happening. And, uh, and was, I was like trying to give it my attention, but I was like, Oh God. Like there's that little um, that little version of me that Vomik drew with my eyes as like swirls, the uh, fucking swirls, yeah. <laughs> or that he he named Schlocked. That was my brain. My brain was like Schlocked at the end of this, not because it's Schlocked, but because I just couldn't I couldn't take it. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, I was like, oh, it's uh, it's Edward Norton. That's kind of cool. I had no idea what was happening though, and I was ready for it to end. And that's that was sad. Yeah. Um. There was a question that I had that I cannot pull out of my brain at the moment. Is it what, what was your favorite of the uh, sequences? Oh, well, that, I mean, that's a good question. Yeah. What was it? That's a good question. Um, I think, I think the one, the one that I remember most is the Benicio del Toro sequence, mm -hmm. the prison arts, well, Adrian Brody and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That one was interesting. I feel like. See, there's there's some reviews where they say like this has enough richness and texture and stories for eight films, and they say that as a good thing and give it a hundred percent. I would say the exact same thing, and I think that's why it doesn't work. Yeah, you know, like, and that's an interesting point that some people would say the exact same thing, exactly the same thing, and have completely different value judgments because of that, because it's just too much. I was like, any one of these could have made a brilliant film. Yeah, and it's. It's unfortunate because, I mean, as someone who's such a big, 
and self-proclaimed like Wes Anderson fan and consumer, I'm really hoping that this movie is like a slight misstep or just an experiment and that he gets back on to a more focused pace of filmmaking. And that that's not saying, oh, I want you to make all the films you made before. You don't have to do that. But this is not a direction I would like you to see, to see you going in. Um, yeah. I don't like to see you acknowledging the little cute quirky things that do make you great. You know? But I don't like to see those things become center stage. Those things have always been fine being frills and being nice little lace things in the corner of your shot. But when it's like the main focus of the film, I don't know. It There were mo- moments when the writing for me got excessively vulgar for almost no reason. <laughs> not, mm. not like vulgar, but meth- like a... Uh, Themes of sex, motifs of sex, Tilda Swinton's like. Well, it is about people in France, Alex, I and know. those people We're who stuck know on who this listen European shit, right? as our as our enormous uh, audience listening to our book reports knows. The French are really sexual in terms of cinema, and probably other things. Yeah, I'm probably just being a prude little Puritan American boy, but yeah, I don't know. I just felt like I mean the Francis McDormand and Chalamet thing was fine. That made sense. You just mean like a completely out of context, like shot of Tilda Swindon naked? <laughs> and you're like, why? <laughs> yeah, you know, and like, yeah, it was just, I don't know. It was all just very, very interesting and very kind of, I don't know, indulgent? Indulgent. Indulgent is a fine word. The Grand Budapest Hotel was, was indulgent. That was such an indulgent Wes Anderson film. But the narrative lent it to be this like it was fun it was like okay this is a cool little like orphan narrative about a boy who escapes from all of these places but this is like i don't know well you had consistent characters and the movie is telling like a a human story Mm -hmm. and i don't know it's it is weird, right? And this is this this is main this is mainly a taste thing because a lot of people really liked this narrative. They found it really compelling and interesting. Um, but I agree with you. And uh, one thing to reiterate and to speak to a point you made earlier about like I, artists should be able to make whatever the fuck they want. They really should. And Wes Anderson is clearly like really passionate. And I'm glad that he made the movie he wanted to make. A hundred thousand percent. I think that that's really important. I don't want to. I don't want to shoebox him in any way, but it, but I do agree with you. I have to completely agree that I I just I don't know. I need something. I need a maybe a more traditional narrative. It feels weird saying that though. I know, doesn't it? It uh, it really does because you don't want to like box him in, but for for whatever reason the the this movie just didn't work. Yeah, no. I mean, <laughs> it's funny because I, I I don't even think about it as an active boxing Wes Anderson in. I think about saying I like a more traditional narrative as an act of boxing myself in as like a moviegoer, right? Cause I'm like, no, believe me, I, <laughs> I'm not like that. I don't need just like your typical Roland Emmerich, Michael Bay, feed me my, my fast food. It's, it's just, yeah. I appreciate when make filmmakers do experimental things. And this one just didn't hit for me. It just didn't land. Yeah. 
Yeah. I completely concur. That's so strange. So strange to be having this. This is not the conversation I thought we'd be having at this time <laughs> yesterday at all. And and I thought that you would be opposite to me. I thought you'd be like, this was dope. This was fucking phenomenally interesting, which which it is in a weird way. Yeah, I mean, it but is, but it's just... It just lacked humanity. It lacked... It had it and flourishes, but like with no... Con- like I, I didn't know what I was holding on to. Yeah. Right? I didn't understand what the core of the movie was. I'm okay with a fragmented narrative. Um, if, if, it, if there's a core of something, and, or even if just like... This, this is why it's so fucking hard to talk about this movie. It's because you could show me a similar movie, like, construction-wise, and for some reason it will work. Um, because maybe it's to do with your expectation of the director or what kind of narrative you think it's going to be. Mm-hmm. But when... I don't know. It's so hard, Alex. It's so hard. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's It's a... It's a brilliant thing that I just, it's, meh. I couldn't, I didn't know, I didn't know why I was watching it. I didn't, I didn't understand. I just didn't understand. Yeah. I was like, why am I watching this? What's the point? And I waited until the end and I was like, this, this is all going to pay off. I was like, lasered my attention in as much as I could. And I was like, this is all going to wrap into it, each other somehow, all these stories. And I'm not going to understand it completely because my attention has been kind of fragmented mm-hmm. through watching it. But I was like, it all, it's all going to pay off. And then it didn't. I was like, oh, Bill Murray died. We have a collection of, like, stories from these writers that are all kind of interesting in their own regard. But except for being, like, stories in a magazine that are presented cinematically, it wasn't enough for me. Yeah. And I could see, I could see where he was going with it. As far as he wanted to take us on a journey where when these writers were saying farewell to Bill Murray, it was supposed to feel like endearing. It was supposed to feel like this nice and like, I don't know, this nice, pretty kind of farewell. And I didn't feel it. I felt no Sam saying farewell to Frodo vibes. Like I'm talking about that epic level of, you know, coming full circle coming back around like i saw it a little bit with jeffrey wright's character um william roebuck i think who was spot on definitely based on james baldwin oh for sure and i just want to say he played it beautifully i love the little homage at the end of the film to all of the writers and heroes that wes anderson loved and yeah i don't know i mean that part was that part was pretty What's that thing called where you have a bubble and then you have like different bubbles that overlap with it? The What's Venn that called? Diagram. The Venn diagram, right. So if you have Bill Murray as the center of this Venn diagram and then all these if other circles like coming off that are the tangential narratives, you have like a tiny circle that's Bill Murray and then these bigger circles coming off of it. Maybe this movie would have worked better if Bill Murray was a bigger circle. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? If it, you, Because this, what this movie lacked was a central nexus of, of Jesse caring about something, you know? And if you had that Bill Murray character, which is obviously, like, the the nexus, if you had that bigger, more well-defined, if you had him interact in these stories more, be more of a, a key player... Mm-hmm. Then I, I think I would have been like, okay, I get it. And I would have had something to relate to. You know what? 
I just came up with an idea. It just struck me as you were speaking, mm. as you were talking about that. Do you want to have Wes Anderson direct a Marvel film? Dear Lord, yes, please. I would watch the shit out of that. I would, I would alone. It'd have to be like Ant-Man or something, right? Have him direct an Ant-Man, one of those like weirdo superheroes. I'm trying. He could do a cool villain origin story. That'd be for sure. Have him do a Joker movie. My dad left for cigarettes and became a worldwide con man in Bombay, India. Now I'm a super villain. Yeah, have it be played by Bill Murray. Yeah. It's like the end of his career. Yeah. We always do this. Yeah. <laughs> we always do this. We always do superheroes at the end of their careers. <laughs> Sorry, what, what was your idea, though? What's your idea? Imagine you walk into a waiting room at like a doctor's office. You pick up an edition of The New Yorker. It just happens I'm to there. be the edition where they're, you know, in memorandum of their editor, their longtime editor. You open it up. There's a little blurb introduction about the editor. You flip to the one piece about him. It's the story that by long winding way is about something else, like a normal subject of a journalistic piece, but also about the editor. You flip the page to the next story. Then you go to the third story. Then at the very end, you have the little, you know, epilogue, whatever. That is almost visually what I feel like Wes Anderson is doing with this film. And there are moments that I can see the homage to The New Yorker, especially in the stills. Like you said, it just, I don't know, it just doesn't do it for me. The idea doesn't change the, the scope or the, of my review. It just, I don't know. My review is still, I want to say, tentatively pending, <laughs> if that's not redundant enough. Right, I know we we are a little bit redundant in this episode, but it's it's a little hard not to be because we're trying. We're, what we're trying to do is extract something that we're not exactly sure about. We're just trying to figure out why this didn't work, and there's naturally going to be some redundancy there because we're just puzzling it out. But I think like we're honing in on it, which is what you're talking about with that version of this narrative, where it's like all these stories about the editor, and that that's what's lacking is like a through line. Whether yeah. that's a character or or a, or a story or like an event, like you could tell different stories about the same event from these different angles that could work. But the, as it is, it's just fragmented. It's like these cool fragmented narratives that are in service of not much. Yeah. Right. And I guess it's like a it's except to say that it's a magazine on film in a Wes Anderson style. Yeah. Right. I don't know. You you need a character. You need the story in this movie for me to care about it. And there's no there's no through line of character, there's no through line of story. It's just fragmented narratives. And while they are like well constructed and interesting, after a while I got bored. And I was waiting for it to end or or come together. Yeah. So yeah. I'm glad that I'm glad that Wes Anderson got to make the movie he wanted to make. I think that's always important. Mm -hmm. It just was not for me. But I still look forward to the next one. And I think it was an interesting cinematic achievement. And he's definitely still one of the most interesting visual filmmakers and tonal filmmakers in the entire world today. Oh, definitely. And if anything, it's a good indication to me that he's in a place now in his career where he can comfortably make films like this that he wants to make and not worry about it completely derailing his career um i can't imagine making a film like rushmore which you haven't seen but 
if you watch it, you know, with the context of that, it's like his first major film other than Bottle Rocket, which was more of like an experimental film. Yeah. I saw Bottle Rocket. It's a cute little film. Yeah. I mean, it's cool it because is. he went to college with the the Wilsons, right? So yeah, that's why he's so close with them. But yeah, like this is as someone who's a huge fan of him, like it makes me happy that he can make films like this without worrying about box office or like budget or things like that you know it shows that he's in a good place uh, as far as yeah like great. an artist goes and that makes me happy <laughs> yeah I'm glad this movie succeeded despite the fact that I don't really like it and that's an interesting place to be in because I like he deserves the adulation he does mm-hmm. um, and like people who think there's no value in his films I'm sorry but you don't understand what's cool about movies. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I'm sorry. It's just true. Like, the, the the construction, the technical elements of filmmaking that he is, like, almost invented. He's such a unique voice. And he's going to be in the history books of cinema. He just is. Oh, absolutely, right? There's, like, no way that Wes Anderson wouldn't have a chapter. Not like huge or anything, you know, but just... Yeah, I mean, I'll bring it back to this idea is like, you can feel free to dislike something, but you should recognize when it's well made. Mm-hmm. And that is the French Dispatch in a nutshell. Yeah. And that yeah. is uh, surprisingly, I don't want to say unfortunately, but surprisingly for me, that is how I feel about the film, right? And I didn't expect to. I expected to absolutely love this movie. I was ready to go in and just like, I don't know. I was excited that it came on to HBO and it was it was that whole thing, so I know. I was talking to you about things we could do. I mentioned this one, but I was like, ah, maybe we'll save it and you're like, No, we have to do it. Oh yeah. We were both like and I was like, Okay, I'm ready I'm ready to talk about it. Yeah, Let's this do was it. this was a quick production, folks. <laughs> it was like a yeah. two, three yeah. day thing. Yeah. And uh, I think we'll leave it there. We'll do a shorter one this time. Yeah, no. That's um, fine. because I think I think I think we've said all we have to say about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for listening to our book report about a movie because that makes sense. Real Weirdos signing off. Alex and I will be back with another book report soon. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Have a good lunch, folks. One and a half white men. We're done talking about movies. Peace. Now our podcast is done and we have to run. We know it is sad, but we had so much fun. Don't be bereft, Jesse, Alex, and Jeff. We'll be back real soon. The Real Weirdos. We talk about movies for way too goddamn long. Boo, 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 boo.